Hi, I'm Josh Van Berkel. Welcome to the Activate Christchurch podcast. It's our privilege to share it with you. I hope you enjoy it. And if you ever find yourself in Christchurch, pop in and say hello. We'd love to see you. Uh, As a church, we are uh, wrapping up uh, seven-day church fast, uh, which has been... Give me a wave if you've in some way, shape or form fasted something, food, social media. Look at that. That is fantastic. Um, So we started our fast last Sunday. At this time, we took communion and that signaled the start of our church fast. And then every night this week, Monday right through to Saturday, we met down here. We had different events happening. We had prayer meetings. We had worship nights. We invited in musicians from other churches. We invited in prophets from other churches. We had prophetic nights. It was such an amazing week. Uh, And we had people that had never fasted before that fasted for the first time in their life. We had people that have been Christians for decades that have never really fasted, that fasted seriously for the first time. We had people that maybe have done a couple of days that decided to go for four or five. Uh, I know of at least five different people in the church that have not eaten since we took communion last Sunday. And I just want to stand up here. Probably will get emotional because I also have not eaten since last Sunday. <laughs> and uh, Or slept much. Who found that during the fast, they just didn't sleep very much? Look at those hands going up. Man, I'm like, God, wake me up at three in the morning. What are you doing? Um, and so, but I, I, I have been so blessed, so impacted, overwhelmed even by just the stories that I have heard coming out of this week, the way that God has met people where they're at. And so as, as your pastor, can I just say thank you? Thank you for coming on this journey with us. Thank you for uh, just stepping out and doing something that you've never done before. I'm so humbled by how many people said, I have not done this before to this degree, but I'm going to do it. And I think that God is so chuffed with each and every one of you, whatever your sacrifice was. Remember I said last Sunday, it has to mean something to you, whatever that might be. I know there are people that fasted social media and it meant something to them. That's awesome. You know, I heard one person say during the week that they were fasting social media and so they they took all the apps off their phone and then just throughout the day, they would find themselves holding their phone just looking at it. I'm, I'm so, it's so automatic pilot that I just get on there and you know, scroll through Facebook and now it's not there, I just don't know what I'm doing. So you know, that's awesome. And there are other people that fast at different types of food, but I just want to commend you and say, well done. I just hear God's heart saying, well done, activate. And so this morning what we're going to do is, I'm just going to invite a couple of different people up just to unpack you know, how they found the fast and what God did in their life Uh, We're going to take communion. I'm also going to share a a short word this morning, which I wasn't planning on doing. I thought at the start of the week, oh, I'm going to fast all week. I don't want to have to put a message together. I'll just do some testimonies and communion and God will take care of the rest. And then God woke me up Wednesday morning about 3.30 and I was reading my Bible and a verse just went, bing. And I thought, actually, I do want to do do that. Uh, So can I just welcome up Tibor and Kira this morning? And uh, Nathan, I'm going to flick to... Headset. Awesome. Who would like to go first? Let's go with, let's go with Kira first. All right, Kira, you jump over here. So just, I just want you to unpack uh, what your week looked like, what you decided to do fasting-wise, if you feel comfortable, and what God did in your life. 
Um, so I decided to to um, fast food, just eat fruits and veggies, and then fast um, entertainment, so no social media. And I found it hard the first few days because I love food. And even though I was still eating fruits and vegetables, um, I missed snacking. And it was getting a bit frustrating because um, Monday came around and then Tuesday and then um, didn't really find that much time or it was really hard to motivate myself to actually read my Bible and pray. And I'd go on walks, but I'd get really distracted and I was like, oh, what's the point? Why am I, do- why am I doing this? But I got to stick to it. Um, then Wednesday comes around, Wednesday morning, Abel and I were like, well, we're doing this thing, we should pray together. So we, we prayed together, you know, and then I, um, we finished praying, I glanced at my phone, saw the date on my phone, and I was like, oh, it's like the eighth, um, this week uh, marks the eight-year death anniversary of my dad, and I was telling Abel um, about all the trauma that I experienced, like, it was really traumatic, like, just seeing his body, trying to revive him, and just going through that whole process, bringing him to the hospital, telling the reception at the hospital, my dad's dead. It was just really traumatic for me. Um, anyways, the day goes on, and then Wednesday night, we decided to come in, um, still a bit grumbly, like, uh, what's the point of this fasting thing? Um, we come in, and um, Denise had invited her friends, Andy and Naomi, and they were just sitting in a circle, had people sitting in a circle. We came in, as soon as I walked in, could just really feel the presence of God. So I just sat down really quietly and was like, oh, and kind of just felt the God's presence. Okay, Lord, I'll just rest here in your presence. And then um, uh, they sang, good, good father. And then after that, um, Andy just asked everyone, like, who found it easy to sing? And some people raised their hands. Who found it difficult to sing? And for me, I found that difficult to sing. I was just thinking of some things that were hard for me, that it was hard for me to sing that song at that, that night. So I reluctantly raised my hand, and um, they just asked for people who found it easy to come and pray for me. So people came around me and put their hands on me and started praying for me. And I just lost it, and I apologize if you were there. I sound like a siren, that ugly cry. <laughs> and yeah, just snot and tears came out. But it was so good because in that moment, um, and Denise was praying for me. Be careful what she prays for you. <laughs> um, she just felt what was going on and just said, um, I just want to break off the trauma. And exactly what I had been thinking about that morning, boom, just came out. And all those things um, came out. And God was just healing me and speaking directly to what I needed to hear, what he wanted to remove, that ugly, disgusting thing that had been sitting in my heart for eight years. He just wanted to remove that so that I could be free from that. So I thank you for community. I just am so blessed that um, we have people, strangers who are willing to come to this place to hear from God just so that I could um, benefit from it for my community here. Those of you who came and laid their hands on me and who shared with me, thank you for that. Thank you, thank you. Uh, that's awesome. Isn't that awesome? What God can do in, in a moment. Um, fantastic. Tibor, you've got a story as well. Tell us your story. Thanks. Yeah, isn't God good all of the time? And so um, I haven't really, I've never fasted before except uh, quite a while ago I did the 40-hour famine when I was a teenager and that's not really fasting because you eat through boxes and boxes of barley sugars and drink lots of orange juice so it's not real. But this was the first time that I did a fast so I set myself a goal of two to three days um, 
just to be sensible. And um, <clears throat> so we had a family uh, thing on Sunday, uh, lunchtime. So I had my last meal on um, the night meal on Sunday evening, and then uh, fasted from then. So my first day at school on Monday. Uh, really bad headache and uh, really foggy in the brain and uh, I felt like a parrot on his perch about to fall off and I thought after the first day I thought oh, I really have a responsibility to the kids to actually teach them something or to try to and so I started taking a bit of uh, uh, lemon juice and some water with some honey and that made a big difference and so the second day was surprisingly easy I thought this was going to be hard but it wasn't so anyway um, I stopped my fast after 48 hours, and I thought, oh, well, it's a bit lame. It wasn't really that hard. You didn't push yourself that hard. Didn't really do much for God. I didn't think I'd get so emotional, but anyway, that's good. So anyway, we came along to about three or so of the sessions, um, and uh, we came along to that anyway, even though I stopped fasting. And uh, I had a really, really uh, disappointing time because I thought that God would speak to me and I thought that something would really happen. And it didn't. Story of my life for the past couple of decades anyway. So on Friday night, I turned up to the uh, praise and worship time and, um, and... didn't really get into the worship much and I was just soaking rather than worshipping and that was good and I really felt God say to kneel down before him and I'm not a kneeler and uh, but anyway I knelt down before God and then stuff just happened God was so good God revealed to me that when my father died, and he died 24 years ago, he actually took his life and committed suicide. And I had this picture that, well, the first picture I had was of me being in a prison, in a prison cell, but like a birdcage, not with stone walls, but bar wall, bars. And the Lord just opened the door. And I just felt this real sense of being set free. And I hadn't realised and the Lord revealed to me that when my father died and took his life, the prison that he was in, I had inherited spiritually. And there was a heaviness and a prison that had come upon me. And he also revealed to me that at the time, sort of had the label of depression put on me that I didn't like and had been battling for 25 odd years, He reminded me of the most vivid memory that I had of the time shortly after my dad died and I'd be walking across from the staff room to my classroom, I'm a high school teacher, and the most vivid memory was of just this physical pain in my thighs because I felt like I had a shackle and one of those big prison balls on each of my legs and I could barely, literally barely walk to my classroom to teach my next lesson and that went on for too long but God was good and I didn't even know the situation I was in and I felt that I'd let the Lord down because I didn't really fast hard enough and it didn't cost me enough 
But I remember when I became a, a Christian way, way back, a long time ago, and I remember people saying to me, if you take one step towards God, he'll take 10 steps towards you. Mm. And so here I was, I gave it a bit of a shot, wasn't as hard as I thought. I actually quite enjoyed it once I started having a bit of honey in my water. And, um, but God turned up and I just felt such a sense of freedom. I'd never experienced that before and such a sense of joy. And yes, there was tears and there was snot and it was really good to get that, some of that out and just sort of feel like those 24 or 5 odd years that I'd spent in prison, the time wasn't wasted because God doesn't waste anything. Yeah. And I'd learnt a lot, but I wasn't free to move into it. So I'm looking forward to what God's got in store for us as a fellowship mm. in the coming days and weeks and years. And God is good all of the time, even when we don't see it. Amen. It's awesome. Well done. Oh, all right. My thing's open. Yeah. That better? There you go. Everyone got a good look at my butt then for a second. But this isn't what I want. Why don't I get my phone? Gee. I want the clicker. And I want my Bible. <coughs> Sorry, fasting brain. <coughs> How cool is that? You know what I love about Tibor's story? Uh, he says, look, I've, I've never really fasted before, not since I was doing the 40-hour famine as a teenager. And then he, he commits to fasting, and he downplayed it. Like he said, oh, you know, I didn't push in. But like fasting is hard. And that first day, he said, headaches and feeling off kilter, like he was a parrot about to fall off his perch. And he does that for two days. And then God breaks something off his life that he's been struggling with for 24, 25 years. That's, that's just awesome. That's, that's so, I'm so encouraged by that Kira story as well. I'd just grab Denise up quickly. Denise, give her a round of applause as Denise comes up, right? Come on. Because uh, Denise, Denise has really been spearheading this thing. Everything that got organized from Monday to Saturday, Denise organized and made happen. And it was all of her friends and relationships that she brought in, her prophetic friends, her worship friends. And so, so much of what happened this week was actually uh, Denise-led. Uh, I sort of said to her, hey, let's do a fast. And she said, yeah. And I said, cool, you organize it. It's called, it's called delegation. It's, it's a sign of a good leader. <laughs> So uh, I would just like for you to share very quickly uh, what God told you about church this morning and even just a couple of thoughts that your friends shared with you when they came into this place. Well, first of all, I want to thank you guys so much for just yeah, um, participating. I really feel that the Lord has shifted something massively, um, not only in us individually, but as the body of Christ. When some of my friends first came in, every time they come in, they're like, oh my goodness, the presence of the Lord in here is amazing. And it's come from our worship. It's come from our worship, it's come from our hearts. We've been seeking him and chasing him. And because we've been doing that, we haven't realized actually the presence of the Lord that's, that he's put in here. One of my friends also said um, on Wednesday night, he said, Denise, the ceiling is very thin between heaven and earth here. It's very, you're very close to breakthrough. Um, and I just feel like the Lord is just, um, just, he's just really preparing us for the things that we've been asking for, the harvest, the glory. We've been chasing it down, but he gave us, the fast. So we're going after something in the future, but he said, I want you to fast. And we were obedient. Because you're obedient, we can get the next step and the next step. He set us up for this fast for this week. 
He set us up for Chris coming next week. And then after that, Ian Wright coming. Because this morning what I saw in a vision is I saw um, just above the, the thin ceiling, I saw a massive dark cloud and rain coming down into the, into the building. And I'm like, Lord, what's all that about? And he said, Denise, um, the cloud is a covering and it's the presence of the Lord. Often the Lord would come, the Father would come in a cloud. And uh, he said, There's, I have a covering over the church and it, it's, um, it's a, oh, I need, I did, fasting brain. <laughs> um, it's his, the symbol of the divine presence um, and indicating the surrender, the splendor of the glory it conceals. And so I feel like the glory is hovering up here. So I'm excited that Chris is coming next week because it's going to activate us if we chase it down. And I feel like this, this cloud is going to come, this presence and this glory is going to come into this place. Um, and I was asking them, Lord, um, what morning he gave me 1 Kings 8.10, the cloud filled the house of the Lord when the temple was dedicated to the Lord. And I feel like we've been dedicating this place to the Lord. It's all about him. It's not about what we can get out of it, but actually it's all about him. Um, and he said the rain is a sign of blessing. So he wants to bless us. He wants to bring blessing. And when there's a drought, a drought is, it's not good, right? But rain brings growth. It brings hope. It brings life. And so um, I just really feel like that's what God is doing for us right now. And because we've got this week between now and when Chris comes, I just really feel that we can continue to ask the Lord individually, what is my next step? We've done step one. What is it that you want me to do? How do you want me to continue to walk in this way? Because he's actually given us a path. He's given us a direction. And so I'm pretty excited about that because I haven't had direction for about a year, two years. You know, there's just sort of stand there and then take one step and hope you're heading in the right direction. So I feel like the Lord's giving us an opportunity to chase him down in this. So, yeah, thank you guys so much for all that you've put in and, and all that we're doing. Worship is just incredible. Um, this morning he was just soaking in it. There was just this beautiful fragrance coming through um, and just the swirl of the presence of the Lord coming down to just receive what we're offering him. So don't, don't feel the little peace that you give, the little prayers that you, that you do, the little tongues that you speak, um, the worship, the raising of your hands. That, that doesn't mean anything because it's all adding up to bring a beautiful mm. fragrance to the Lord. Awesome. Hey, thank you, Denise. Hey, just before you jump off, I just wanted to give you a little something. Oh. It's a little wee card from, from all of us. No, but it's the only card that I care about, gift cards. <laughs> and it's for food, all right? And that is, that is just to say thank you so much for what you did for us this week. Awesome, all right? There's, uh, there's enough money on that card for you to invite someone really cool to lunch. Just, uh, just, just, just saying. Uh, hey, thanks, Esther. You can jump down. That's awesome. So I just want to share with you guys uh, very quickly, 15 minutes or so, uh, and then we're going to take communion. Um, but as I, I woke up on Wednesday morning and I went and, and read my Bible, and uh, I was just flicking through some different bits and pieces. I read some really boring parts for a while, and I thought, oh, like, you know, minor prophet stuff. Uh, and so I skipped out of those. I sometimes wonder, hey, like the minor prophets in the Bible, the Habakkuk's, you know, the Zephaniahs, the Haggai's, if they walk around heaven and people come up, they're like, oh, are you one of the writers of the Bible? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which one are you? Haggai. Ah. Oh. Yeah. You seen Isaiah around? Where's, uh, you know, where's, where's Jeremiah? He'd be a cool guy to talk to. So, but then I got to, I got to this story and there was a particular verse that just jumped out at me. So if you've got your Bibles, you can open them up to Matthew chapter 15. Uh, if you don't have your Bibles, then bring them next Sunday, because we tend to look at them at church on a Sunday morning. 
Uh, if you've got them on your phone, that's awesome. If you don't have your Bibles, it's okay. I'm going to put it up on the screen for you anyway. But I want to talk to you about the story of uh, Jesus feeding the 4,000, which is not to be confused with the story of Jesus feeding the 5,000. A lot of people think this is one story just told differently. It's two separate stories. Jesus does this twice. The first time he feeds 5,000, and the Bible says that he had five loaves of bread, two fish, and at the end they picked up 12 basketfuls of leftovers. In this story, Jesus feeds 4,000. There are seven loaves of bread, a few fish, doesn't say how many, and he picks up at the end, the disciples pick up seven basketfuls of leftovers. So there are quite a lot of different details. It also happens at a different time and in a different place. But if we want to pick it up, it is in Matthew chapter 15. We're going to start it in verse 29. It says, Jesus left there, because we've picked it up halfway through a chapter, and went along the Sea of Galilee. Then he went up on a mountainside and sat down. So where is he? He's up on the side of a mountain. Great crowds came to him. And we know it was great crowds because later on in the story, it tells us that there were 4,000 men plus women plus children. So, I don't know, what do you want to add to that? Should we double it to be conservative? Let's say 8,000 people, maybe 10,000, chuck a few kids in there. So, let's say maybe 10,000 people. A great crowd came to him, bringing the lame, the blind, the crippled, the mute, and many others, and laid them at his feet, and he healed them. The people were amazed when they saw the mute speaking, the crippled made well, the lame walking, and the blind seeing, and they praised the God of Israel. Jesus called his disciples to him and said, I have compassion for these people. They've already been with me three days and have nothing to eat. I do not want to send them away hungry or they may collapse on the way. His disciples answered, well, where could we get enough bread in this remote place, they're up on the side of a mountain, to feed such a crowd? 10,000 people maybe. How many loaves do you have? Jesus asked. Seven, they replied, and a few small fish. How many people know that's not enough food? He told the crowd to sit down on the ground. Then he took the seven loaves and the fish, and when he had given thanks, he broke them and gave them to the disciples, and they in turn to the people. They all ate and were satisfied. Afterward, the disciples picked up seven basketfuls of broken pieces that were left over. The number of those who ate was 4,000 men besides women and children. What I want to just look at here is that here we have an extraordinary miracle. It is an extraordinary miracle, and we know that it is extraordinary because Matthew goes into great detail about what happened in this story. And yet, just a couple of verses earlier, he's like, oh yeah, the mute was speaking, the crippled were made well, the lame were walking, the blind were seeing, gives us no details. It's like, to him, there was all this amazing stuff happening, and yet to Matthew, that's not the coolest thing that happened today. To Matthew, this is the really cool miracle. This is the one that is worth writing about. Now, I don't know about you, but if I saw blind people being healed, you know, deaf people hearing, people getting out of wheelchairs, made out of wood because it was olden days, you know, I would be like, man, this happened and this happened. And he's like, yeah, all that stuff happened, but there was something way cooler. This blew Matthew's mind. In fact, we know that for some reason, this miracle of multiplying food, it always just blew the disciples' minds. Because the other story, where Jesus feeds 5,000, it is the only miracle, other than the resurrection of Jesus Christ, that all four gospel writers 
write about. It's the only miracle. Something about this just it captures your attention. And do you know what it is? I think that it is the difference between witnessing a miracle and experiencing a miracle. Everything else that Matthew describes, he witnessed. He saw it happen. He saw Jesus heal blind people. That's got to be amazing. He saw Jesus heal paralyzed people. He saw Jesus heal people that couldn't talk. But this miracle he experienced for himself. Every single person on the side of that mountain, 10,000 people, they all literally tasted the miracle. And in Matthew's mind, that's extraordinary. You know, there is a huge difference between witnessing a miracle and experiencing a miracle. Who thinks it would be awesome to witness a blind person getting their sight restored? That would be awesome. But imagine being the blind person. You cannot compare those two experiences. One is witnessing, one is experiencing. And in this miracle of the 4,000, there are thousands of people that all experience this miracle together at the same time, and for some reason the disciples just couldn't get enough of it. Now here's my question to you this morning. Why did this miracle happen? What caused this miracle? You have maybe 10,000 people on the side of a mountain, and Jesus feeds all of them with five loaves of bread and a couple of fish. Sorry, seven loaves of bread in this one. What caused this miracle? What is the catalyst for this miracle? It's very simple. The people were hungry. The people were hungry. I want to talk to you very quickly this morning about hunger, which is appropriate, right? Because a lot of us are like, preach. Well, I want to talk to you about hunger. Look at this verse, Matthew 15, verse 32. It says, Jesus called his disciples to him and said, I have compassion for these people. They have already been with me three days and have nothing to eat. Check it out. I do not want to send them away hungry. You know, we said at the start of the fast that fasting is not a hunger strike. It is not about manipulating God to do something. You can't just, you know, like a kid having a tantrum, just hold your breath and eventually God will cave. That's not what fasting is. But as much as a hunger strike does not manipulate God, genuine hunger moves him. Genuine hunger moves God. Look at some of these Bible verses. He satisfies the thirsty and fills the hungry with good things. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. In their hunger, this is Nehemiah talking to God about the people. He says, in their hunger, you gave them bread from heaven. Who would like some bread from heaven? Now, I'll take bread from anywhere right now. But bread from heaven, I would sign up for that. What is the one prerequisite that I need to have in my life to receive bread from heaven? I need hunger. What is the one thing I need if I want to receive righteousness? I need hunger. What about if I want to just be filled with good things? What do I need? I need hunger, right? God responds to hunger.
I don't think there is anything that God can't do with a hungry person. I don't think there's anything that God can't do with a hungry person. And as scary as it sounds, I don't think there's much he can do with someone who has no hunger. Hunger is what brings us to our knees. Hunger is what causes us to make a decision to fast. Hunger is what uh, moves us into his presence. Hunger is what makes us open up our Bible uh, you know, every morning. Hunger is what makes us lift our hands in worship. Hunger is what moves us to God. God responds to hunger. And so all I wanted to do this morning is just highlight the need for hunger uh, in our life And remember we talked last week about the fact that fasting is, in a nutshell, spiritually speaking, it's hungering after God. And so what we saw this week were people hungering after God and then God responding to hunger. But what's really important for us as a church is as we take communion and finish this fast is that we don't close the book on that chapter. We don't say, oh, that was a great week that we had got to go down and get some prophetic words and do some worship, that was awesome, and then we just revert to the way we were doing things before. My prayer is that this was the start of something new. Um, On Monday, I went for a walk down my road, and I said to God, why am I fasting? Like, what's you know, what's, what's going on here? What is the point of this fast? And my fast was different to maybe a lot of others, because I felt a very strong responsibility to fast for you, and as the leader to fast for the church. So I wasn't necessarily saying to God, what am I personally going to be getting out of this? I was like, why am I, as the leader of Activate, fasting? Why am I doing it? And I got a picture straight away of a door with a lock, and there was a key in the lock, and a hand came and turned the key in the lock. And I said, ah, am I fasting for doors to be unlocked? And God straight away said, no, that was a door that was unlocked being locked. He said, you are fasting to lock the doors. And I said, why am I locking the doors? He said, so no one can go back where they were. So my fast this week was for you. So that the breakthroughs that you had, the things that were broken off your life, can be locked in your past, forever forgotten. You don't have to deal with them anymore. All right? But one of the ways that we do that is to go, okay, I've finished that fast I'm moving on with with eating. I'm going to go home today. I'm eating. Remember last week, I don't know if I told you, it might have been in a pre-meeting, I gave all this really good advice about if you haven't eaten for a long time, you've got to ease back into it, maybe have some fruit, you know, a little bit of some vegetables. I'm ignoring all of that crap. (laughs) I'm not joking when I say that Liz made the pizza dough last night. (laughs) And yes, a couple of hours afterwards, I might be regretting, well, I might be in a little room thinking, I don't know if that was wise, but I swear to you, I'll be sitting in that little room going, I regret nothing. <laughs> Vegetables on a pizza, get behind me, Satan. All right. <laughs> yeah, one piece, yeah, that's right. I, I did say to Liz, you need to portion control me because, uh, yeah. All right, honestly, here we go. Um, so... My heart for us this week, I'll get the band to jump back up, we're going to take communion in a minute, is that what happened this week is a seed that will continue to grow. Okay, It is a seed that will continue to sprout, it will continue to grow, it will continue to bring fruit. I believe that you know, you'll look back on the week that we had in years to come and go, that was the week 
where my life changed, where I started this new thing, where this mindset shifted or whatever it might be. But the question I wanted to ask you, because a lot of people will be sitting here, no doubt, listening, going, because I've done this so many times, how do I increase my hunger? How, how do I get, like, God, I want to be hungry for you. But uh, I won't ask you to show your hands, but I'll put mine up. How many people have got up, tried to read the Bible, and just gone, eh? Right? Yeah, I've done that. Or, or even been in bed, and it's like 6 o'clock in the morning, and you can't sleep, and this thought pops into your head, I should get up and have a quiet time. And you're like, eh. You ever had that thought, eh, but bed warm, you know? <laughs> Out of bed, cold, right? Or, or you're in church and, and someone says, hey, lift your hands to God. And you're like, eh, it's not really feeling it. Have you? It's just me, obviously, right? And, and the, the answer to that is, is more hunger, right? It's more hunger, and so I just looked at this passage and I said, okay, God, well, where's the, where's the clue here? If, if you respond to hunger, I mean, the Bible says that he had compassion on this. He said, I do not want to send them away hungry. God will never, ever send away a hungry person. Never, ever send away a hungry person. So how do we become people of hunger? How do we become hungry people? And look, he put a sneaky wee clue in here. Jesus called his disciples to him and said, I have compassion for these people. They have already been with me three days. You know how you build hunger? You spend time with God. How many people know that those, those crowds that went out to him, if they'd stayed with him for an hour and then gone home, they would not have been hungry. If they'd maybe given him an afternoon and gone home, they would not have been hungry. But because they spent three days with him, that hunger built and built and built. I think I remember preaching a message here. Before I became the pastor, I came in as like a guest speaker and as kind of like a spy, work out stuff. And I, I preached a message about how the kingdom of heaven is upside down, topsy-turvy, back to front. Right, the kingdom of heaven works backwards to the way the kingdom of earth works. Kingdom of earth says, hey, you've got to promote yourself if you want to get in front. Kingdom of heaven says, no, no, the last will be first, right? Kingdom of earth says, if you want lots of stuff, you've got to take, 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 take. Kingdom of heaven says, no, you have to give so that you can receive. On the kingdom of earth, if you want to build hunger, you don't eat, right? And the longer you don't eat, the hungrier you get. But the kingdom of heaven is upside down, topsy-turvy, back the front. So if you get hungry on earth by not eating then how would you get hungry in heaven, spiritually? By eating. By eating. The truth, church, is that the more time you spend with God, the hungrier you get for spending time with God. The more time you spend reading your Bible, the hungrier you get to spend time reading your Bible. Like the kingdom of heaven works opposite. If you want to build hunger, then start feeding. And the more you feed yourself, the hungrier you will get. So we're going to take communion this morning, which is going to bring an end to our fast. But then after that, what we're going to do is I'm going to give every single person an opportunity to come up the front and just be prayed for, for hunger. Because the Bible says, if you ask, you will receive. And I know 
100%. There is not a single person here that if you came up and said, God, I would like to have more hunger for you, that God would not say, absolutely, absolutely. Everybody got their stuff? Piece of bread's a bit tiny, guys. You got a you got a spare loaf out there that I can just let me pray and we'll take this together. Except for John, he's already started. Always one. Heavenly Father, we just thank you for everything that you have done over the last seven days in the lives of everybody here and, and even those that can't make it this morning. And we thank you, God, for everything that you are going to do. We thank you, Lord, that we can see your fingerprints all over the week that we've had and in the weeks to come. Lord, I just uh, declare this morning that every breakthrough that took place this week will be permanent. Lord, it will be a forever move, that for every person that has moved forward this week, that they will not go back. And right now in the Spirit, God, I just reach out and I lock every door that is behind us so we cannot go back. And in the same way that the Israelites whinged and whined about wanting to go back to Egypt and you wouldn't let them, God, I pray that you would not let us return to where we were. Father, we as a church make a decision that we are leaving the old behind us and we are moving towards the new. And so, Father, right now, we just... Bring an end to this fast that we've been sharing as a family. I know there's a, a couple of people that are going a little bit longer because they started at different times. But Father, I pray right now a Father's blessing on every single person that in any way sacrificed for you this week. Every single person that took a step toward you this week, Father. And so Lord, we take this now. In Jesus' name.